This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hey everyone, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm your host, Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with my amazing, cool, jubilant, Phoenix Suns-loving co-host, Tyler Hurley. What's up, bro? Thanks, Robbie. What is up? We are super excited to be back with you guys this week. Uh, We got an interesting topic for you guys today, for sure. Yeah, this is going to be fun to get into, and we'll kind of tell you the background story uh, of why we're talking about it uh, in a second. But before we do that, Mm -hmm. we always start every show with a coffee tip, and so Tyler has the coffee tip for the day. Yes, absolutely. The coffee tip for today is a little bit interesting. We were thinking through, uh, Robbie and I were just talking about how um, we took a trip to New Orleans a while ago, and we were reminded right now of uh, what's happening there with the hurricane, and uh, just thinking and praying about everyone there. And um, it, but through that, it made us remember the coffee that we've had there. We thought that it would be timing, timely to discuss certain types of coffee that are in New Orleans yeah. that are not really found too many other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is interesting. It is called chicory coffee, okay? So the way that this works is uh, chicory is a roasted and ground root uh, of the cultivated plant species, kind of like, uh, like like we were talking earlier. It's like beets or like any type of root type. Yeah, it's like, yeah, uh, like, like it grows underground. It's like a, yeah, it's a root, basically. Exactly, yeah. 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 But it, what you would do with it apparently this is kind of cool is uh in many parts of the world where you grow it um with one for one the largest producer being france actually which which is important it's important because that's how it ended up in new in new orleans in louisiana uh and in south africa is there and now in u.s through that and in the state of nebraska it's also grown Mm -hmm. uh but the root is grown and harvested much like sugar beets that's Mm kind of how they process it to give you an idea a little bit more of what it is um but the legend is that during a coffee shortage in france people began to mix roasted chicory with their coffee to make it last longer Mm. yeah and so this was done all over the new world by the French in Louisiana as well, Mm -hmm. because uh, it's essentially, that's what was happening. They were running out of their coffee beans. And so to make it kind of last longer, they would mix in this chicory with it because it had a similar taste. So, so they could, they could blend it with like real coffee. Mm -hmm. So you'd still drink coffee, but with the chicory in it, it's like, it makes it last. It makes longer. it last longer. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like adding water to your pancake batter, so you make more of them. Yeah, right? yeah. You're not making more batter. You're just kind of spreading it out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it's still good. It doesn't like like make it worse. I right? like chicory coffee yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. You you can buy it. I think at some stores here we'll have it. Oh um, sure. But New Orleans, yeah, they have it all over. Like you were saying, because yeah, of the French yeah. influence and that it was a popular thing. Well, that's in exactly what it is. So it's very interesting. But um, we were just thinking about that and how it relates to what's going on. But it's like. It's really fascinating because I'd never heard of that, but um, it's interesting to think that there's a method like this to extend coffee. To yeah, mix something yeah. else in. It's kind of crazy. Cool. So, yeah, so if you're out there, go check it out. Go buy some chicory coffee. Try it. Let us know what you think about yeah, it. Do it's that. like it's got a little bit of a stronger taste. Mm. I, I mean, I really I do like it. So anyway, well, cool. there we go. Yeah, there we go. Thanks for that coffee tip, Tyler. All right, so on with the topic for today. So um, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about eternal security, 
Um, and, and we're of the persuasion of once saved, always saved, um, because that's what the Bible teaches. Um, but then there's all these warning passages to Christians and there's all these, Hey, you, you need to live right. You need to do the works that God's prepared for you beforehand. Um, and we read those as rewards passages. And we talked about that last week about rewards being right. an incentive to Christian living. And so we got some responses on our YouTube page about it. And so, um, one lady, uh, commented a lot and she mentioned, um, kind of common objections that I've heard literally for the past 20 years on these positions. Um, and so I thought it would be helpful to go through some of these common objections to the once saved, always saved position and break them down so that, um, we can do good exegesis with our scriptures. Um, I, I think so many people are lazy when they read the Bible and they just assume certain things mean certain things instead of doing the hard work to read it in context, which again is why we did that whole context series on how to read your Bible. If you haven't listened to that, you should go back and listen to that. Um, but, but so many people don't, and they assume they know what it says before they read what it says. And that gets you into a lot of troubles theologically. Yeah. And I've always, I've referred to this as the fortune cookie mindset, right? Where you you just take a passage and you treat it like a fortune cookie. You read just the one liner and you take it for what it is rather than investigating and seeing what it actually is supposed to imply in the whole yeah, context, the whole what's context. the whole book about what's, exactly. what's being discussed, all those things. Mm-hmm. So, um, just to set it up a little bit, uh, this person who, who disagreed with us, um, doesn't believe with the one saved, always saved position. Um, she has some strong language, even not, not bad language, but strong accusations saying that, uh, one saved, always saved is a doctrine of demons and a false gospel, um, so from, from her comments, I'm guessing she's on the Arminian side of things because she was insinuating you can lose your salvation. She even said at one point that no one can snatch us out of the, out of Jesus hand, but we can walk away willingly. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. so she, I, I, I'm putting her into the Arminian category where you can lose the salvation that you already had. So, right. for, so for this week's episode, again, like I said, we're going to respond to some of the things she said that are very common objections um, and, and look at what the Bible says, says applying good uh, hermeneutics, good Bible study methods to the scriptures. Yeah. All right. So we ready to get into objection number yes, one, Tyler? Let's do it. Right. So objection number one, this is interesting. Um, I myself have heard this tons and tons of times Mm -hmm. when talking to people about salvation. And uh, this is what she said. This is a direct quote from one of the comments says, even demons believe in Jesus, but they will not be going to heaven. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what she said. That's the direct quote. Even demons believe in Jesus, but they will not be going to heaven. Yep. Now, like I said, I've heard this argument so many times uh, to show that belief in Jesus and what he did on the cross is not enough to save you. That's yeah, say what, it's like that's too easy. That's what they believe. Um, yeah, yeah, because even demons believe. Yeah, they'll say, look, even demons so believe. Belief in who can't he be is, enough. So yeah, because they're not going to have it. Exactly. And that's that's what the uh the comment is insinuating. So yeah. uh, even though Jesus literally says, by believing in him, we will have eternal life. He says by belief. Over so, and over and over and over. And, and again, yeah, like we've <laughs> yeah. talked about this. Plenty of times. But uh, so uh, the passage, though, that she's referring to is James 2.19. It says... Yes. Well, see, okay. Yeah, yeah. And again, go ahead. I really... Because th- this is so important. Well, yeah. Because yeah. we get our theology from the Bible, right? Absolutely. And so she said... I just want to point out exactly what she said. Mm-hmm. Even demons believe in Jesus, but they will not be going to heaven. 
Okay. Yep. All right. So now let's check out the verse that talks to the, where she's getting this from. Yes. And that is, uh, James two nineteen. So that's what she's referring to. It says, you believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. So according to this passage, what do the demons believe? And that's what, that's the, well, let's read it again. Thing. Well, it doesn't say Jesus. No, it doesn't. And that's, that's <laughs> why interesting, I see right? that's exactly why you had to stop us there to yes. show us like, yeah, like what did she say? So she again, said, believe in. And I think Jesus is God. Obviously. Of course. Okay. Of course. Okay. But that's not what it says. It isn't. And so no. that's where sometimes it would, if this is God's word, and if we believe yeah. that every word matters, like Jesus said, not yeah, one yeah. jot or tittle, right? will pass away from the word. Mm-hmm. Um, if we believe every word matters, we should we should read what it says. Yeah. And before we start to say this is what it means. So nothing is mentioned of Jesus in James 2.19. No, again, you believe that God is, is one. one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder, right? Demons also believe. Now, again, I don't think demons are going to heaven. I don't either. But and this yeah, passage doesn't yeah. even say that demons aren't going to heaven. It doesn't. So again, I'm, I, I believe that from other passages. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But... Let's talk about, okay, so what is going on in James 2.19? Yeah, so so that's the thing to think about here, right? Again, they don't believe in Jesus. Well, that's not what it says. That's not what it says. It says the demons believe that God is one, okay? Yes. God is one. That's the focus. So literally, all it's saying is God is one. That's all they believe, meaning the demons just believe in monotheism. They yes. just believe that there is one God. Yes. And that's true. Yes. Like, yeah, that's absolutely true because they, they know that they, they know it. Yeah. Yep. And so they're, they're aware that God is one. There's one God. This text does not say that demons believe in Jesus who died for their sins and offers them life. No, it's not no. So to equate. Oh, what John three sixteen says isn't enough. Yeah. You have, because even not. demons believe. Well, demons believe what? In monotheism. That's exactly the point. And, yeah. and that's what they're trying to, that's what the point is being made, is trying to say. Believing in monotheism doesn't save anyone at all. I don't think God's ever said that believing in monotheism saves, that no. there's only one God saves you. No. No, Muslims are monotheists, right? They believe yeah. that God is one, yeah. but they they leave, they believe in a very different doctrine. Yes. Uh I mean, that's the thing. Like, like, there's plenty of different ideas and theological like concepts out there yeah. from different cults and religions that believe in monotheism, but they don't believe in Jesus. So, belief that God is one doesn't save anybody. No, the Bible doesn't say that anyway. <laughs> no, it's not. It it's doesn't not say that. True belief in what Jesus did for human beings on the cross. So, so you have to think. Okay, if it says that, then why are we equating that with salvation? That's the question. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jesus did not become a demon to die for the sins of demons, right? No. He became a human to die for the sins of humans. Yeah. Salvation. I don't think there is redemption for demons. There's not. And that, no. that's the thing. Like, like There's demons, nowhere in scripture says that. No. And that's where you also have to understand. And that's from other passages of like what demons are exactly. And they're not human beings. That's mm-hmm. the thing. They're nowhere. They're nothing like human beings. Yeah. That's the point. And so you have to think through these concepts to understand it's that fortune cookie mindset. Like I said, you can't have, it you really need is. to investigate. Yep. Uh, so belief does not save anyone. Wait, say that again. Belie- what do you mean? I thought I have to believe in Jesus and that's how I, I get saved. Correct. Okay. But it's not the belief. And that's what I'm trying to make a point to. Okay. Belief does not save anyone, but it's Jesus that saves. And what he requires of us is belief, not works. <laughs> oh, okay. And that's the key. You have to realize, yeah, your belief does not, like that, the, the object to, of that you were using to obtain 
your salvation, which mm-hmm. is just belief, mm-hmm. that's not what saves you. It's Jesus that saves you, which, yeah, yeah it, that makes sense. So you have to like have your trust in Jesus. That's the yeah. idea of it. Because a lot of people have a lot of beliefs and a lot of their beliefs of are wrong. Yeah. So belief yeah. doesn't save no, you of course not. because you could be believing in the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. your sincerity of your belief doesn't save you. And well, and you can change your beliefs later. I, I yeah. pers- cause like, that's something that I believe is that like with the idea of eternal security, you can change your belief into saying, I know, I don't really believe anymore that I should follow my li- uh, life th- through Jesus mm. and I should just go and do my own thing. That's my new yeah. belief is that I should just do my own thing. I believe you can do that and you that's still you're still saved because mm. your belief was in Jesus. Once you put that in Jesus, he's it's there. Yeah, and some people will yeah. say, "Oh, Tyler, a that's lot of crazy." People will disagree because with that, yeah. and again, again, they'll right. say that just proves they never actually did it in the first place okay. because every Christian who believes in Jesus for real or they'll say mm. uh, has has true faith or they add these uh these these phrases to faith, so, you know, saving faith. Yeah. That that person um, would never actually walk away. Well, so if you walk away, it proves okay. you never actually had it in the first place. So, so you're That's right. You're right. I've say. heard people That's say this. Say. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're right in the sense I've heard people say that, but I completely disagree. And sure. now I think that this is a perfect moment to segue to the second objection. Uh, you should address yeah. that. Yeah. Well, again, and I, I do just want to reiterate. Of course. Whenever yeah. anybody says to you, oh, but you say just believe in Jesus. Well, that's not enough because even demons believe. Well, yeah. Well, the, the that, that passage in James isn't talking about belief in Jesus for your oh, salvation. Of course it's it's not. talking about demons believe God is one. So I just, I don't want you to get bullied with people throwing out those no. one liners because that has nothing to do yeah, if someone, with yeah. salvation in Christ. Exactly. If yeah. someone it like does show this to you and, or use this as an example, we'll tell them, say that salvation is not meant for demons. Yeah. That's the first thing. Cause I think that's the number one, first and foremost thing. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, it's, that's not what it's talking about. And then third, um, they need to probably investigate a little bit more into actually the concept that it's saying that God is one. So yeah, like, what does it say? Like, yeah, tell them simple. these three things in response to that, and then that will hopefully um, kind of deter the conversation. Well, and there's actually, and I yeah. don't want to spend a lot of time on this, of course, but there's, yeah. there's, a fourth, there's a fourth point sure. in that James yeah. passage, and that is that in James 2, uh, James says, someone may well say... And so this is what's called is, you know, putting up an imaginary objector. He's saying someone will say and object to me. You have faith. Mm. I have works. Show me your faith by your works and I'll show you my faith through my work. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. And so the question that you really should ask, and, and I don't want to belabor this because James says someone will say, then he quotes the someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have quotation marks in Greek. So the question becomes, right. when does the quote stop? And I believe that the quote stops when James says, you foolish fellow. Are you willing to recognize you foolish fellow in James Mm 2.20? But if you look at different versions of the Bible, they'll have the quotes in different places, the quotation marks. Don't you think it's important to know what James is objecting to? Of course it is. That's of huge importance. And I think this thing about demons believing isn't something James is saying. It's the objector he's quoting. Yeah, and you're absolutely that's, right. So that's another thing is the Bible's not even teaching this. That's actually yeah. James is objecting and, and, and to Investigate this. this for yourself. Yeah. Go look at the passage and read it. You'll see he's clearly objecting to someone. Yeah, and you need to ask the question, yeah. where do the quotation marks go? 
And no, they didn't have quotation marks in right. Greek, so they had to give you a literary device of when they're coming back in. Yeah. And James does by saying, are you not willing to recognize, you foolish fellow? Uh, Paul does this in 1 Corinthians 15, 35, mm -hmm. and Paul also does it in Romans 9, 19 through 20. Yeah. Where he says, you fool. He comes back in. He says, someone will say, and then you fool, because they didn't have quotations. So he has to let you know when the quote's over. Anyway, that's a side note. Yeah, of course. But it's a fun thing to think through. Yeah, well, links to that. That's <laughs> that's something that we need to be aware of. And yep. look, like people bring this up all the time. Like I've said, that is a very common statement. Yep. That, that has probably been used, I think, more than... Most of the objections yep. you just believe in easy believism, they'll say. That's what they and I'll believe. say, as opposed to what hard believism. Yeah, like, like what, does what, that are, mean? what are we talking what about? What does that like, even mean? I just think it's believism, is what it is. Yeah, you believe so in Jesus. It, Christians just need to be careful of like these these ideas because yep. it can have serious implications. Well, and, and when and again, yeah. just because we're saying this stuff doesn't mean you should trust us either. Right? You should yeah. go investigate the scripture and do the hard work and study. Um, and just because our pastors say things doesn't mean we should just trust trust them. Of course. We need to study scripture to show ourselves approved workmen who need not be ashamed. So don't yes. just quote things you hear people take out of context. All right. Objection uh, yes. number two. You On ready? Okay. Here we go. Objection number two. Um, so uh, the objection was, and I've heard this, and this is kind of an amalgamation of people saying this to me over the years, uh, but, but you'll hear people say, and this person was insinuating on YouTube, uh, many people who think they're saved by believing in Jesus are not actually saved. Because merely believing is not enough to be saved, because Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Mm. All right? Yeah. So I've heard this said all the time. Like, oh, yeah, just because you believe in your 10, he, I, I, I remember one person was like, well, if you get a divorce, you know, many will come to the Lord in that day saying, Lord, Lord, I, I believed in you, I trusted in you, and he'll say, No. Depart from me. Let's look at what this passage is actually saying. I have had so many people use this passage to push the idea that there's a whole bunch of people who've believed in Jesus and they think they're saved, but they're going to be sorely disappointed when they get to heaven and realize they weren't actually saved. And, and it's based on why. Well, they yeah. didn't live the kind of life Jesus wants them to. Well, let's look at it. Typically, Christians, when they're using this, they'll show that this person believed in Jesus— and thought they were saved, but they didn't have a lifestyle of good works, so they weren't actually saved. Or the other side of it, which is what this lady was arguing on YouTube, is the idea that the person believed in Jesus, but they failed to live up to his standards, and they lost their salvation. So, this passage in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, is very important, and it actually says the opposite of what people try to argue yes, it says. it's the exact opposite. It's so crazy to me, Tyler. So we, we want to look at it, but this passage actually backs up our position on yes, this. Yes, yes, it does. Okay, so let me read it. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. All right. So according to this passage, and I... I'm not trying to insert my opinion here. I'm just trying to take what it's saying. Of course, okay? yes. According to this passage, there will be people who call Jesus Lord, 
So they acknowledge him as the Lord of their life, mm-hmm. right? Or at least, I might, now I might be insinuating too much. Sure, sure. They call him Lord. They call him Lord. Okay. But they don't enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's what it that's says. That's a fair, that's what it says. Okay, good. I, I think that that's fair of mm-hmm. what it says. These people then make the claim to Jesus, Lord, Lord, right? Um, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Perform many miracles, right? So they're making the claim that they should be allowed into heaven based on prophesying, casting out demons, performing miracles. Yeah. Also known as works. Right. These aren't people who believed and then lived a trash lifestyle. These are people who were doing things for the Lord. Yeah, it, it's literally said. It literally says that people are going to list off their good works and say that I should come into heaven because I did this in your name. Yeah. So it's not they didn't do good. They didn't live a good life. They're listing off their good works. Yeah. And then Jesus says what to them? Depart from me because I don't know you. Yeah. So their works in Jesus' name are not enough to qualify them for heaven. Well, of course. Why? Well, because that's not what saves you. Well, it's Paul literally belief. says we can't be justified by our works. Of course. Of course. <laughs> well, this is something just, that we've yeah. talked about a lot, too. Like, uh, Mormons fall into that category. I because, think so. Because yep. they pr- put Jesus on everything. On they, their like, name They tags, say we're yeah, the church everything. of yeah. Jesus Christ. That's what they say all the right. time. So when they're prophesying, right? Right? It says that. Prophesying. Mormons do that. They do works and they say, we're doing this in the name of Jesus. Yeah. They don't believe in the true Jesus. They don't believe in who he is. Yeah. So they're believing that their works are what's saving them, which that's Mormon doctrine. That's not speculation. That is what it says. It is. That's what their doctrine is. And so they, that's what that's talking about. People who's just, they can't just claim that they did these good works in the yes. name of the Lord and get into heaven. And that's exactly what it's saying. It's about believing in him because he says, it, what does it say? Right. It says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Yeah. And that's meaning know you well, as in I, that relationship that, and it even, yeah. well, and he even spells it out actually a little more, of which course we're going to get into next, but I, I yes. do want to point yes. out th- that this objection we got on YouTube, yeah, this belief that if you don't live a righteous life for the Lord, then he's going to say, Oh, depart from me. Cause you'll come and say, Lord, Lord, listen, the belief that Christians need to live a righteous life in order to go to heaven when they die is not what this passage is talking no, about. No, it's not. This passage is saying living and doing good works in the name of Jesus aren't enough to enter heaven. Yeah. But what does he say, Tyler? What do you have to do to enter heaven from this passage? Yeah, that's the crazy thing. It's literally in the in this passage it talks about it. So it's saying... Um, these people in Matthew seven, right? They claim their good works that they did in Jesus name, but he says he didn't know them as we were just talking about. It is not about saying to Jesus, Lord, Lord, or doing a lot of work for him. According to Jesus, it is about doing the will of the father. Well, that's what he says, right? That's what he says. He who does the will of my father who Mm -hmm. is in heaven will enter. Exactly. So, so that's what you have to ask then. Okay. So if that's how you enter the kingdom, yes. Right. Then what do we need to know? What is the will of the father? That's, That's we, the million dollar question. Right, right? Wow. That gets me into heaven. And it seems that it's not doing works in Jesus name. Well, clearly, cause that's, that's not what it says. Yeah. So but, the but will like, of the father. And this isn't just, this is again, this isn't us applying our theology to this. We're just reading what it says. Just reading what it says. That's all that it so, says. So what is the will of the father who is in heaven and okay. how do I do that? Okay, exactly. 
we can know that from John 6, 40. It says, for this is the will of my father. Okay. Okay. So that is not right vague there. at all. Not at all. Okay. Very clear. So this is the will of my father. Again, John 6, 40. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. Wow. Look at that. And that's, that's huge. That's just man. what it says. That's not speculation that's not applying my own theological implications no. to it that's just what the text says that's Th important yeah so not yeah. the works not it's the not works. about doing works and saying lord lord look at all the good stuff i did in your name nope. to earn my way it's about doing the will of the father which well, is to believe and that's in the thing jesus. i think a lot of people get confused on what the will of the father is too because i've even heard people tell me that the will of the father is that you you follow him you obey him. but that's mm. not what that's not the will of the father no, that's not what John 6, that's 40 says. That's not what says. it says. Yeah. No, he, Jesus himself yeah. says what the will well, of the and Father that, you is. You know what? Let me, let me just, yeah, yeah. I didn't put this in the notes. But, Go right ahead. But in, in, in this uh, interaction with this lady online, she even threw out there um, in John 15, you know, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right. And I'm in my head, because I, I didn't even respond to that one. I'm like, yeah, like, I agree. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. He doesn't say... Uh, if you want to go to heaven when you die, obey my commandments. That's not at that all seemed what that like she was saying. insinuating. I'm like, but to show him I love him, I obey what he says. Yeah, yeah. I, there's motivation in our life to follow Jesus and to do the things he's commanded. Right. And one of them is my love for him, and mm -hmm. I want him to know that I love him. And like we yeah, talked about yeah. last week, one of them's rewards. One of them's right. out of thankfulness for all he's done. I mean, there's so many motivators to Christian living. Of course. But I just, you, you, you do hear people say that, well, you, it says you got to do the will of the Father. Well, do you know what that is? Because John exactly 6, 40 it. says to believe. Yeah, you're yeah. insinuating it means to live a certain type of life that's and do exactly all this work. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, the, and that's where people are, that is a direct example of a, applying your theological perspective to mm -hmm. a passage. And that's called eisegesis. Yes. Because you're putting your theology into the passage, and what we want to do is exegete, take out of the Bible our theology. Yeah, and that, that's what... Her, good hermeneutics is about. It's yes. about understanding it yep. and, and for what it says. For what yeah. it says. Yep. And so that that's the that's the goal here. And we want to really reiterate that. But that's the thing. This passage in Matthew 7 proves our point based off of just what the text says. It proves says. our point, man. It doesn't contrast what we're trying to say and say that you have to live your life for the Lord in order to get to heaven. Nope. Uh, you don't. Uh, and that's the thing, too, that I want to hit home. We have never at any point said that you should not live your life for the Lord. Oh, we do not believe following that Following Jesus is immensely important. Yes. And I want to I keep reiterating that because it, I don't want people to come away from this thinking that we're saying you can just like, you should just live however you want. We're you not, not saying not that, that at all. Nope. Uh, that is very <laughs> incorrect and against what scripture says. And it's stupid. It is stupid. And it's harmful. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, all these things. Yeah. And, but so, that's not what are the point we're making here. The point is when you try to apply sanctification passages or rewards based like glorification passages to your justification. Yeah. That is a big problem. That it's a slippery slope yeah. to not having eternal security. It is. And and you should be securing your salvation because Jesus reassures us in this passage where he gives us the will of the Father. Well, yeah, I'll, read that. Yeah, yeah read I'll what read he it says. Again. Yeah. How for, does this give us eternal security? Yes. He says, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. He doesn't say might. No. 
will have it. And there's nothing else added onto that either. He doesn't even go on to explain, uh, for this is will of my father that everyone who beholds the son obeys his commandments and lives out his life in honor. Doesn't say that. No, no, none of that. It just says and believes in him. And like we, yeah, will have eternal life. And like we've talked about before, the promise is eternal life. Mm -hmm. The essence of eternal life is that it is eternal. Yeah. It's not the potential to get eternal life if you live a, a chaste lifestyle. Of course not. That's not what it says anywhere. You get it once you you cross. The Bible talks about you cross out. We've been we've been taken out of darkness into light. Yes. We are a new creation in Christ. It has happened. We have been given new birth. We have eternal mm-hmm. life, present tense. And so, the, if if you can lose eternal life, it's not eternal. Yeah, and I don't like it's just a simple concept. Yeah, the essence of eternal life is that it's eternal. Then uh, that's That's a really important the the idea of eternal life in itself. Like the way it talks about it in scripture would be deceptive. Then because it's it would be it should say the potential of eternal life or uh, the possibility something like that. But it's not. It shouldn't be a possibility. It should just be a guarantee, and that's what it is. Yes. Because and that's, that's because what it, it says. isn't by works. It's no, by faith. No. It's by belief in Jesus. So yeah, like you said, that if you behold the Son and believe in Him, you'll have eternal life. And then Jesus says, "And I myself will raise mm. Him up on the last day." Amen. Your resurrection is guaranteed. Yeah, and I like how Paul Security. says, un- unrelated a little bit to that passage, but I like how Paul says too, he says, um, for we, for if we have died with him, surely we will be resurrected with him. Yes. And that is beautiful to me because well, it's saying our sins have died along with him. Yep. And that death that he had, uh, like our sin died with him yep. permanently, well, like in that way. But because he was resurrected, we are resurrected with him. Yep. So we are made new in him. And that's that's a permanent thing. Yes. That's well, what he says. Okay, yeah. so now think about this. Mm-hmm. So you're told, I love that you brought this passage up. Yeah. Because in Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Yes. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in us, right? And the passage you brought up, he said, if we've been crucified with him, we will be raised yeah. with him. That's exactly what he says. Okay. So think about this. If it's about living and performing well, how does Paul know he's been crucified with Christ? Because he hasn't performed to the end of his life when he said that. That's true. Now, yeah. in another passage in Corinthians, Paul mm-hmm. says, I beat my body black and blue, and I run as an athlete for the prize so that I'm not disqualified. Yeah. Having preached Christ to others, I don't want to be disqualified. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. I thought you have been crucified with Christ. He has been in his justification, but Mm -hmm. what he's talking about isn't going to heaven when he dies. He's talking about a prize. And that's what our whole episode last week was on, was eternal rewards. Paul Mm -hmm. isn't schizophrenic in his belief. He knows his standing before God is justified. And it's a past tense thing that's happened, and he has eternal life. But he also knows that he can be an idiot like all the rest of us, (laughs) and give in to sin and temptation, and not finish strong, and forfeit the prize. Yes. That is so true. I just... Okay, sorry, we, we're getting off track. No, this but, no, is but this so is, important. This is important, and yeah, like this, like we said, like this, this section wasn't in our notes, but we're we're talking about this because it's really important to us that you guys understand. Like, this is this is the gospel, right? That's the, yeah. the, This is why we take this so personal. It's because it, it has serious theological implications of what we're discussing here. And what it seems like yeah. to me is 
again, because I have reasons to believe, good reasons and good evidence to believe that a lot of these passages, like are being brought up, aren't talking about justification, mm-hmm. right? This last one is, and how do you get justified? Yeah, you believe yeah. in Jesus, right? But then like we talked about last week with the rewards passages, I take those seriously because I think there is something to be lost for not living for Jesus. Of course there is. This life and in the next. But I also take serious the passages that are explicitly clear that if you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. Yes. And you can't be snatched out of his hand. And the Father is greater than him, and you can't be snatched out of the Father's hand. Yes. And nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord, right? Nothing. And so I take seriously those passages too. And it seems to me when people get into, well, if you don't live it out, you lose it or you never had it, they're not taking seriously these clear passages about believe in Jesus and you will be saved. That's so true. What must I do to be saved? Acts 16, 31. Believe in his name. Believe believe in the Lord Jesus. Jesus You'll be saved, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You and your household. You and your household. I mean, it's so... We need to take seriously what God's word says. And if there's if there's some kind of a confusion or contradiction, we're missing something because God doesn't contradict Himself. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and it's really important to me, and we yeah. really need to be clear with the gospel because what happens is people, a lot of Christians I know, don't have assurance of their salvation. Yeah, they that's they true. wonder their whole life, "Am I really saved?" Because they keep doing bad stuff. It's true, and and that's why this this series has been so important to us. Yep. So so looking to yourself for your eternal security. Yeah. is a bad place to look. Of course it is. You should look to the promises of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the best place to look. All right. Yes. Objection number three, and this is the last one. We're mm-hmm. only a half... I feel like we're, we're running behind, but we're not. This nope. is good. This we're is only great. Half hour yeah. In. Okay. Yeah. There we go. All right. Objection number three, and this one is a little complicated, but it's very important. So um, in, the, in the YouTube post, this lady, she didn't say anything about it. She just um, posted this verse in the comments. Um, <clears throat> but it's 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And what she was insinuating and what I've heard other people say is that if you have bad behavior or if you're a certain kind of person, that means that you won't go to heaven when you die. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's very clear that that's what it's being used for. They'll, they'll try yeah. to pull it out and they'll say, because, yeah, she didn't, like you were saying, she didn't provide the context, but that's what she's insinuating. And I've heard, I've heard yeah. pastors even say that, ah, 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 don't you know that these types of people, fornicators, idolaters, will not yes. inherit the kingdom of heaven? So you can't be like that yeah, or I've you're that going too. to hell. <clears throat> All right. So let's look at this passage. I want to read, uh, I'm going to read first Corinthians six, eight through 11. And then we're going to actually read a little bit more of that passage because mm-hmm. you need to read the whole thing to understand what Paul's talking about. But let me read first Corinthians six, eight through 11. Paul says, on the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brethren, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God." Okay, so we did a series a while ago called Contexts, and it was on Bible study methods on how to study scripture. Um, And the C in Contexts stands for crowd. And the Mm -hmm. the idea of that is who is the crowd that's being written to? Who is the audience being written to? Well, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians to the Corinthians, 
the Christians at the church in Corinth. Right. And we know this because he tells us this. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. This is to Christians. Yep. Okay. So that's an important point. The book of First Corinthians wasn't written to non-Christians. No. It was written to people who already were Christians. Yes. And the the context of the whole book, to even take that yeah. a further step back, it's all like all of the Christians in Corinth, they were the worst of oh, Paul's geez. letters. Like, like they were doing tons <laughs> of terrible stuff. It's pretty embarrassing if you read it. Yeah, it is. And so you have to think, so that provides further context because yeah. the whole book is correct. You get the message. Yeah, it's corrective. Yeah. He's saying, yeah, you're all living terrible, sinful yeah. lives. You're getting drunk at communion. He's like, look, you're believers. Yep. Some That's of what you he are, says. He's yeah. like, yeah, you're Christians. You're in Christ, but you're living your lives not for him you're living yeah drunk you're living yeah. just like your culture All well, and, and that's the interesting part and then throughout the rest of the book he continues to call them brothers brethren yes. we i shared in, with you the gospel brothers I gave and brethren you. in yeah. reference to those who are also christians that's what yes. he's referring to yep it's definitely yes. you can't argue that the book of first corinthians isn't to christians right so that's an important point mm -hmm. for our our passage here in first corinthians six yeah and now and the next in the like thing that we want to focus on in the context series from the context series is letter T. Okay. It's text says, so what does the text say? Yeah. Okay. L let's focus on that a little bit more. Uh, we need to notice though, that what the text says in that passage, it says the unrighteous will not inherit. Okay. The unrighteous. Let me, let me just read that again. Yeah. 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 Let's read. Yeah. Read it again. Okay. So ver chapter, verse nine, first mm -hmm. Corinthians six, nine, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And then he lists a whole bunch of bad things. And then at the end of verse 10, he says that th this group of people that do all these bad things will uh, um, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. So so he says it twice. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that, so that's what we need to look at, right, is what it says. So, uh, and that's, that's, and that's exactly observation. what it says. Yeah, observation. what does the text say? Uh-huh. And so... That's the thing. We need to notice that it says the unrighteous will not enter or have eternal life. It also says that, right? No. I mean, it does not. No, it does saying. not yeah, say that's that. That's what I was saying. Yeah. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say it anything does about eternal that. life. And that's what that's what a lot of people think, but that's yeah. not what it says. It says we need, uh, like, yeah, the unrighteous will not enter or have eternal life. Uh, it doesn't say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was making sure. I'm like, no, it doesn't say right, that. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it the says, point is, it doesn't say that. That's what we're trying yeah, to get it at. It says the unrighteous I once will or not that's inherit. What it exactly. But people do insinuate that what it means... See, and this is yes. the thing. You have to say, what does it say before you move to what does it mean? Yes. And people read, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom, and they make it mean that if you act bad, you can't go to heaven when you die. Yes, and that's not what it's saying, though. It doesn't say that. Right. It literally doesn't say that. Right. So that's what we need to ask, though. Is there a difference between entrance into the kingdom and inheritance of the kingdom? That's what we need to, to ask. Well, okay, so think about yeah. this, Tyler. In Matthew 7, in that mm -hmm. passage we were talking about before, where you know many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord. Yeah. And then what does he say? They won't enter. Only the people who mm -hmm. do the will of my father will enter the kingdom. You're right. And so he, that passage is about to it. entrance into the yep. kingdom. This passage doesn't say entrance. You're absolutely it right. It says inherit. So mm -hmm. is there a difference between the words? 
Well, I think so. That's why they used different words. That's exactly the point. So you'd have to think, what is the difference? What does that mean? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what's the, okay, so let's think about that. What's the difference between me saying, I entered Disneyland and I inherited Disneyland? Is there a difference between those two things, uh, I Tyler? think there's a difference. <laughs> I believe inherited would mean you probably own Disneyland. Yeah. Have which ownership is different or something. than inhabiting Disneyland. Of course. Entering Disneyland. Yeah, many, absolutely. Many millions of people have Into entered the, Disneyland. You inherited the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> right. So now the question becomes, which is better? Is it better just to enter or is it better to inherit? Well, inherit seems inherit? pretty sweet, that right? That seems awesome, yeah. Only ownership of it, like that seems cool. That's so great. I think there's a big difference. I, I, You know, me saying I entered my grandma's house or I inherited my grandma's house, mm. they mean different things, thus using different words and I, it's it's asinine to me sometimes man that people don't take the words for what they mean that you're you're absolutely Why right did, if it meant enter it would say enter it doesn't say it that it doesn't say no. that so we have this passage that's written to the christian church at corinth mm-hmm. it doesn't talk about how we enter the kingdom of heaven we know how to do that it's by doing the will of the father which yeah. is what Believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so this is about inheriting the kingdom. Yes. And it's written to Christians, not to non-Christians. And then the next thing we want to look at is another thing we talked about in our context series. It's the X in context. And uh, we kind of stretched a little and said it stands for explanation, right? Explanation. Of course. Yeah, but it works. Um, and, and the idea yeah. behind that is doing word studies. What do certain mm-hmm. words mean, right? Doing Checking out in the original language what a word means. Um, so when it says that the unrighteous will not inherit... One of the questions we should ask are, who are the unrighteous? Yeah. Now, again, people are assuming that means non-believer, right? Yeah. That means non-Christian. That's mm-hmm. And in some places in the Bible, non-Christians are referred to as the unrighteous. Yeah, of course. The problem with that is there's a lot of places in Scripture where Christians are referred to as unrighteous. They are. So, so you need to think, okay... Is this in reference to Christians or non-Christians when he's saying this? Wouldn't that change the entire meaning of the passage? Of course it would. So that's an if, important... If who he's talking about. That's a very important question to ask. So yeah. let's look at the word unrighteous in this mm-hmm. passage and think through who are the unrighteous that Paul is talking about. So the word unrighteous is the word adikos, and it means unrighteous, unjust, yeah. wrongdoer, evildoer is the idea. It's in the adjective form here. So right. that, that's what it is. Adikos is in the adjective and it means unrighteous, unjust, wrongdoer, etc. Um, the word is not a technical term for unbelievers or non-Christians. Hmm. It's not because again, it's used of Christians and of non-Christians throughout the New Testament. It simply means doing wrong or doing unrighteous things. Now, here's where it gets really weird, Tyler. Let me read to you uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 8, the verse right before when Paul says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit? Okay? Mm -hmm. The verse right before that, verse 8, says, on the contrary, you yourselves, who are the you? The believers. The Christian? Yeah, yeah, the Corinthian believers. You yourselves wrong and defraud. Mm-hmm. You do this even to your brethren, yes, other Christians. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the word Paul uses when he says um, "you yourselves wrong," the word "wrong" is the word "adikeo," 
which is the verb form of adikos. So, okay, so think about what I'm saying here. Paul literally says, you yourself wrong or do unrighteous things. And in the very next verse, he says, don't you know that the unrighteous won't inherit the kingdom? Yeah. He literally calls them that word one verse before, which if you're looking for the antecedent of who are the unrighteous who don't inherit, the antecedent would go back to the Corinthians who are wronging one another. Exactly. This is why studying is very important and not just assuming you know what the Bible yeah, says yeah. before you read it. So, adikeo in verse 8 is most likely the antecedent to the adikos in mm. verse 9. Plus, yeah. the context of this entire chapter is about believers wronging each other by well, taking the, each other to court. Yeah, and that's what you got to think of, right? You got to think, okay, uh, it's back to what we said earlier. The whole idea of the book is about believers living in sin and Paul trying yep. to tell them, hey, get your act together. He's correcting them. The so why would, why would just this little handful of verses step away from that entirely, whereas the rest of the letter is about something completely different? Yeah. Because that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense within the context of the entire book. That's what and I'm saying. And then when yeah. we just read this chapter, it doesn't make why any would, sense within yeah, the context of the Why would just this passage... Have a different context than the rest of the book, chapter well, of the book, the everything. It yeah. doesn't, and, and it can, but sure. let's read the immediate context of, of sure. 1 Corinthians 6. So let's start in verse 4 and read through 9. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to read through that here. So, uh, so it says, so if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. It is so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren. But brother goes to law with brother, and that before unbelievers. Okay, now this is interesting. Stop right there. So he's he's talking about mm-hmm. you guys are taking each other to court. Yeah. And there's not even a wise person in the church who okay. could do this. Yeah. You're literally going to non-believer. He mm-hmm. uses the word unbeliever, which means he knows how to use the word unbeliever. That's a great point. That's a very yeah. good point. So, yeah, yeah. so unbeliever and unrighteous don't necessarily mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. And if he meant unbeliever in verse 9, he could have said it. That's You're all right. I'm trying to point out. Sure. Okay, so the context is mm-hmm. they're going to court and they're taking each other to court. Keep reading. Yeah. Um, so continuing on in verse 7, he says, Actually then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. (laughs) You do this even to your brethren. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Mm -hmm. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals will inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, it goes on to the next, yeah, 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 and then it will not inherit. Okay, so let's think about the context here. Yeah. It's about going to defrauding each other wronging each other, not being able mm-hmm. to work out your disputes with your fellow brothers in Christ, and, and so bad that you're taking it lawsuits to, to non-believers. That's what it's saying. That's yeah. literally what he says. And then in verse 9, he talks about, don't you know the unrighteous won't inherit? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. It's really weird. If he's talking to the uh, Corinthian Christians about their unrighteous behavior of taking each other into court and then completely change the subject in verse 9 and tell them that non-Christians won't go to heaven. It doesn't fit the context. Why would he just, it, like, it's literally so disjointed. That's what it, that's what it would mean. Yeah. He's making the point. Or don't you know? 
Yeah. But the unrighteous, like you're doing all this bad stuff. Don't you know that? So, so yeah. what he's saying is like, stop taking each other to court. Stop defrauding each other. Stop acting bad. Like you guys are being terrible. Oh, and by the way, non-Christians don't go to heaven. <laughs> it's like, it's, because that's obvious. It's like, well, duh. Well, I don't even yeah, understand. Like, like, like that, that just seems so like, that's not what's going on no, here. It's, that's it's not, not what's going on here. So, so think about this though. Paul tells the Corinthian believers in verse nine, do not be deceived. The wicked will not inherit the kingdom, right? Yeah. So why would Christians think that non-Christians would inherit the kingdom? You would, <laughs> you would have point. to believe that. Yeah. He's warning to, them yeah. not to be tricked into thinking non-Christians will inherit the kingdom. Yeah. And that makes no sense whatsoever. So, so that's the thing. Is Paul warning believers that non-believers won't go to heaven? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. No. And I think they so... kind of know that. Yeah. It's such a weird, it doesn't fit the context. And, right. and in order to make it fit, you would have to believe that he's, hey, don't get tricked into <laughs> yeah. thinking non-Christians go to heaven. Well, and then that's the thing. What, why and that's not that... what he's talking about in this context. He's talking about going to court. Yeah. That's just such a bizarre concept. It's a weird and, and, but that's, that's the logical conclusion you'd have to come to. Yeah. If you're trying to take that verse as saying like, oh, if you live your, don't live your life for the Lord, you won't get to heaven. You, that's what you have. If, if this is about entering heaven, then yeah, you have to take it in that yeah, way. You have to. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it's just bizarre to me. Uh, so it seems that this passage is actually a warning to the Corinthian believers that their unrighteous behavior has consequences and they should not be deceived that wicked behavior has no consequences, that yeah. there's no consequence to what they're doing, then they can lose an inheritance. There's something yes. to lose. Well, and it's interesting yeah. because... And it's not their salvation. That's what you Not their salvation. Yeah. It's it's rewards, which we mm -hmm. talked about last week, which is interesting. And I, th I think we mentioned this passage last week, but in the same book, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he talks about the carnal Christian. Yeah. And he goes on to say that um, if you build upon Jesus as the cornerstone with good works, mm -hmm. being a believer already, yeah, you right. build with good works, that that those works will pass through the fire and they'll be of some value in the afterlife. Because yes. we're going to have to stand before the beam of seat of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But then he says, if you build with hay and wood and stubble, that's all going to be burnt up. Like yeah. if you don't, if you, if you don't do good works for the Lord, like you're not going to have any good works, but the person will still be saved as if through fire. Yeah. He already told them you can lose rewards and still go to heaven. Mm. And he's reiterating that here. You guys are acting so horrible to one another and so unrighteous. Yeah. And don't you know that the unrighteous won't inherit in the kingdom? Yeah, there's something yeah. real to be lost. And then at the end of that passage, he says, such were some of you. You, mm -hmm. you, this was your identity, right? You were idolaters yeah. and homosexual and, and swindlers mm -hmm. and all of these things. That was who you are, but you were justified. Yeah. Yeah. You, you were washed. You were saved. That's not who you are anymore. So stop Why are you like acting yeah. like it? That's what the whole book's about. Exactly. This isn't who we are. In other passages, he talks about stop putting on the old man. Yeah. That's not who we are in Christ. And so I, I don't think this passage can be used to push the idea that mm. if you believe in Jesus, but you don't live for him, then you're going to hell. This yeah. passage doesn't teach that because this passage doesn't even talk about hell. It talks mm -hmm. about inheritance, not entrance. Yes. We also see Paul talk about the same exact idea in another letter he wrote to the Ephesian church. Listen to how similar this is. Uh, Ephesians 5, 3 through 5. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you 
okay, so the question we should ask is, who's the crowd? Who's the you? Yeah. Well, right. look at what he says next. As is proper among the saints, mm-hmm. the holy ones of God. Okay. Oh, so this is to Christians. Yeah, of course. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's read it again. But immorality or impurity or greed must not even be named among you yeah. as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Mm, For this you know with certainty, who's who's the you? You Christians in Ephesus. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. He's literally warning them, don't act like that. Why? Because you know that people who live like that don't Mm -hmm. have an inheritance. So see, the Christians can be those people. And that's the thing. And that's why it's so important that we look at this passage too, because this is reiterating almost the exact same idea that we were just reading in first Corinthians. Yeah. Paul taught this to the churches. Yeah. Yeah. Living for the Lord matters immensely. And that's where he, because you can lose rewards. And that's what he means. Like if you really like, again, look at that. It sounds almost the exact same, like verse five there, right? No pure immoral person can like can inherit the kingdom of God. And that's really important to think about inheritance. That's the difference. Uh, versus entering the kingdom of yes. God. It's not what it says. It's so you have says. to understand that. And uh, so this this also, I feel, validates our point even further because the thing is, is we're not reaching here in sa- because you can see clearly that Paul talks in this same way in other places. This isn't just this one This is a common isolated, theme. Yeah. It absolutely is. Yeah. And that's something that you need to take into consideration when you're doing uh, research and hermeneutics and context. Mm-hmm. How is it, how does the author use this idea or this theme? Do they talk about yep. this in other places? What is, what is the do. theology of Paul around the word inheritance? Now, yeah. again, um, he might use it differently depending on which of course he yeah. might, but yeah. you need to go study that and you of need course. to see what is he saying? What's the context? What's the word? All these things are important. And so, Again, these are three really common passages that people throw at us a lot yeah. to say, listen, it's not just merely about belief. And that really hurts my heart because literally that's what the whole gospel of John says you have to do to be saved. Yeah. And the danger in that is that you have Christians who can live the rest of their lives living in fear, thinking that, oh shoot, if I slip up so bad, I'm going to lose I'm it. I'm going to lose it. Or if I, oh, I sinned again and I gave into temptation, I must not really be saved. Right. And so instead of growing to maturity in Christ. You're living your life in fear. You live in fear and you stay immature. Mm -hmm. You stay immature. Why, Why can't we take God at his word? The promises of God, standing on the promises of God. That's an old hymn we used to sing at my church. Mm -hmm. Why can't we stand on his promises? And I'm pretty sure the Bible gives room for Christians being idiots, which is why 1 Corinthians was written, because these people were idiots. And Paul says, stop doing those bad things. But he never once says, you're going to go to hell because you're not living the right way. He warns them of loss, but it's not of loss of entering heaven. And so, again, you might not agree with us on this, and that's okay, but you need to do your research. You need to study. You need to press hard into the scriptures and not just take your bias as what's true. And that's something that we try to do, and we, you know what? We probably don't do it perfectly because we all have bias, and you're reading through a certain lens, but we would encourage you to study what scripture says 
says, not just take it based on authority, <clears throat> but to really press into the words that God has given us mm. and trust the promises of God. Um, also, I would like to say people on different sides of, of the theological spectrum, like like this lady who was saying that, you know, we're teaching a false gospel. We're not teaching a false gospel. No, no. And I want to say that Arminians... Uh, are not teaching a false gospel. Nope. They teach that you need to believe in Jesus to be saved. Mm -hmm. That's true. Now, they think you can lose it if you don't live right. I don't agree with that. Right. But I wouldn't say that they're heretics or a doctrine of demons. No, of course not. Uh, Calvinists think if you don't really live it out, you never had it in the first place. I don't think that that is um, heretical or a doctrine of demon or a false gospel because they say it's by faith alone and Christ alone and you trust in that. That's how you're saved. I don't agree with what they think happens mm. to us, but I would never say that those positions are false gospels, doctrines of demons. And actually, when you look at the doctrines of demons that Paul's talking about, it's workspace stuff, which is funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But as Christians, we need to know how to lovingly disagree with one another. But we also need to know how to back up our positions with scripture, not just with assumptions, not just with our preferences we've been taught at certain churches or in certain denominations. We need to really press hard into what God's word is because it's, I'm pretty sure, sola scriptura. Yeah. Right? Scripture alone. Mm. That's that's the authority God's left mm. with us. This is how we know what God says and what he wants. And we need to press hard into that. Hey, we would love yeah. to hear um, your questions and comments about yeah, this. Please. Send us an email. Um, send us a post on Instagram or on um, Facebook. I think on Twitter, people, I never check the Twitter account. So I, don't send it on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I would recommend the best possible way, I would say, is uh, like inst Instagram, Instagram messages. Instagram, yeah, that's the uh, best. That's a really good way for us to get back to you uh, if you reach out to us on there. Um, but please, yeah, like Robbie said, feel free. If you have any um, questions or comments, anything... Uh, that you're working through or uh, are trying to think through yourself and you just want some input or you want to talk to us about something that you disagree with. We're, mm -hmm. we're welcome to having this open discussions Absolutely. online about that. So uh, yeah, please feel free to reach out, but thank you for joining us this week on Christ culture and coffee. And we'll be back next week with another episode. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our stoneware, Christ culture, and coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ culture and coffee.